Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Bins podcast. On this episode, we brought on Connor Gillivan, who's the co-founder and chief marketing officer over at freeup.com. They're an incredible business that helps other businesses grow and scale by acquiring the top 1% of freelancer talent worldwide. I loved listening to Connor and hearing about his entrepreneurial adventures all the way back to starting his first business in high school and how they eventually grew their Amazon business to $25 million in revenue. As always, let me know what you thought and I will catch you next week. See ya. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. We got episode number 53 today, and I'm meeting with a friend of mine, Connor from freeup.com. Connor is the CMO. He is the chief marketing officer. He has a killer story about entrepreneurship and his journey in business, and I think he's really going to blow your mind for uh, really how young he was when he first started his, his first business. Uh, Connor, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Should be a fun conversation. So, Connor, uh, I, I know you and I talked a little bit before um, the recording actually started. You mentioned to me you're living in Denver, Colorado, yep. and I've I visited Denver, and I hate to say it, I guess I'm a weenie because I got uh, altitude sickness. Like oh no! Five. And uh, my wife and I, we were going up to Estes Park, and I was like, okay, we got to turn around because I can't. Right. I like could not function whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, definitely not a weenie. It happens to a lot of people. And it, <laughs> I, my recommendation is always acclimate for a couple of days in Denver. Because if you're coming from sea level or anywhere near it, it's uh, even going to Denver is a big jump. You're going up 5,000 feet or so. And then once you head into the mountains, you're closer to 8, 9, 10. So it can be a little crazy. Yeah, I live in Arkansas. And so a lot of people, whenever I tell them Arkansas, I get one of two reactions. I get things like, you know, oh, I have a friend from, and then they name a city that's like not even in Arkansas. <laughs> nice. like, I have a friend from like Mobile. I'm like, oh, that's Alabama. Alabama, right. <laughs> oh, hey, that's cool. Uh, or they say things like, wow, Arkansas, you know, where is that? And they don't even know, you know, where it is. But sometimes we have, so we're, we're called the natural state because we have a lot of really awesome nature. It's a really pl- okay. pretty place. But people from Colorado who come to live here, because uh, we have this really big supplier community for like Walmart. So people are mm-hmm. constantly moving in here and uh, people will come from Colorado and they get really annoyed because we'll say like, Oh, our mountains are amazing. And they're like, you guys don't have mountains. You have Hills, you have very large Hills. And we have mountains in Colorado. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, the mountains here are huge. They're, uh, they're crazy. A lot of fun you can have in them for sure. Well, let's, let's dive right in, man, because I know a lot of my listeners might not know who you are. I, I want to I go all the way back on the story of Connor Gillivan. Sure. Of, of, you mentioned to me before we started recording that, and, and I loved how casually you said it. You were like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I started my first business when I was in high school, and then I did this, and you like totally moved on from it. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, okay, we got we to gotta start here. <laughs> Tell me, okay, you're in high school. What... <laughs> What was the venture? What happened? Sure. Let's talk about it. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't anything crazy. I, I started working, had my first job working with my cousin who ran his own landscaping business. Um, and I grew up in Albany, New York, which is upstate New York. And I think I was maybe 14 or 15. I started working with him and helping him out with different projects that he had. And 
I ended up doing that for all of high school and then even in some of the summers while I was in college. And in the first couple of years, I just picked up the, the craft of cutting lawns and making them look really nice and even doing shrubs and, and things along those lines. So my first business was uh, a landscaping business as well, but just in my local area. Um, I had about 15 to 20 accounts in my neighborhood where I cut their lawn every week, made sure everything was good. I kind of learned how to deal with customers and um, <clears throat> handle situations where they weren't happy or they needed something done that I couldn't do. Um, and then, of course, making sure they paid me on time and managing all of that. So that was my first business. It was it was a little crazy. I, I started by riding my bike around the neighborhood and putting flyers into people's doors. And um, yeah, it kind of took off and I ran it for about four years um, while I was in high school and college. I love how you just like nonchalantly, because you hit like everything that so many business owners deal with, like <laughs> terrible customers, they don't pay on time, you know, things like that. And you're like, oh yeah, well I took care of this, this and this. But I'm also just trying to imagine you, I I'm pretty curious about like, the mental game in the sense of, it sounds like you felt pretty confident about this whole deal. Now you have, mm. you have an awesome beard right now, <laughs> but I'm assuming when you're in high school, probably didn't have the beard. And so, no beard. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're a kid and how, how old were you at the time? Probably 15 when I first right. started it. Yeah. 15 year old on a bike and <laughs> right. going to, surely there's a thought of like, you know, what am I doing? Or maybe even a little like intimidation. Sure. And I've noticed that even entrepreneurs today, as, as fully grown adults, mm -hmm. we can often have that same sense of what am I doing? What are people going to say? 100%. You know, and yeah. so it sounds like you, you nailed getting over that, that mental game very early. Mm. What was it that fueled that? How did you develop that? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think with specific to this one, because I saw my cousin doing it uh, so much working with him, I, I kind of had a mentor and uh, a model to go off of. I, I saw how he interacted with customers, how he got new clients, how he did everything running his business. So that helped me a lot in terms of having the confidence to go and know what I was doing, know what I was saying. I kind of just mimicked what he was doing because he was seeing success and it kind of led to my own as well. Yeah. And have you always been entrepreneurial? Yeah. It's always, it, it's always been kind of something I've been interested in. Um, when I was like in elementary school, I, I would make these little pen toppers and sell those to kids in school oh and gosh, use that for lunch money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's always been something I've wanted to do. And um, for my whole life, I never wanted to work for anyone either. So it was, uh -huh. it was kind of that coupled with just loving to create and build things that I think led me down that path. Yeah. Well, it's cool to hear about how it's in your DNA. It sounds like, right. you know, from that young of an age to, yeah. I can envision like the elementary school teacher being like to your dad or your mom being like, <laughs> you know, please have your son stop selling. <laughs> right. So you left high school, went to college and started another business, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. That? So this was my sophomore year of college, I believe. Um, I met my business partner who I still work with today. His name's Nathan. Um, he's a year older than me and he was starting to buy and sell textbooks on Amazon. So he and everyone kind of notices this in college, you'll go to the college bookstore, you'll buy a book for $300, not use it for the entire semester, and then try to sell it back to them and they offer you $10. 
Um, so just kind of a, a big scam the all ca campus bookstores are running. And he was fed up with it and said, I'm just going to go stake out a spot in front of the bookstore and start offering kids more than what the bookstore is offering them. Um, and, and that's that's what he did. That's how he kind of started this whole this whole wave of selling on Amazon. And then as it started to grow, he was looking for more people to get involved. And I, of course, was looking for opportunities to start a business and jumped in really quickly. Um, and we, we started running that business together and ran it for about six years, um, two while we were in college and then four after college. And I'm pretty sure that became a pretty successful business, right? I think Nathan was telling me like a $25 million business. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, in the, in those six years, we sold about 25 million online. Um, and that was books, baby products, toys, home, home goods, really anything we could get our hands on. Um, yeah. we, we sold it all on Amazon. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, it's funny to me, man, cause I think about people who they're entrepreneurs. There's people who love the idea of entrepreneurship in the mm -hmm. sense of, Oh, you can sleep in however late you want and you can, you don't <laughs> right. work for anybody. And it's, it's like in their mind, it's very sexy, but they've never sold anything. And right. then they try to sell something and it's like, this is really hard. And then there's like the real entrepreneurs who <laughs> they notice there's, there's a need somewhere and they mm -hmm. solve it and they build an actually sustainable business out of it. And so sure. I feel like as I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking, okay, a lot of people can glean from just from your story quite a bit in terms of like the journey of entrepreneurship. And that mm -hmm. for starters, it's recognizing what's actually a problem to solve. Totally. Um, absolutely. I, I wish you guys had been around <laughs> uh, my area because I feel like, <laughs> I think you're right. You know, bookstores, I mean, they, ha they've, they have figured out quite the scam. When it comes to, you're going to pay tuition, but you're going to pay like double that just for the books. And, uh, um, so, so what do you, now you're on your third business yep. or third official business, I guess. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? Yeah, sure. So, so with that second business, uh, the, the Amazon company, we, like you said, we, we scaled it to be a pretty good size and we, we learned uh, through kind of hardships that we ourselves couldn't do everything for the business once it reached a certain point. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of a big lesson. I think any entrepreneur goes through, they reach that critical point where they're working 60 hours a week and they just realize they can't do it all. Um, and, and you kind of then have to figure out, okay, am I hiring someone? Am I partnering up with someone? How am I kind of solving this problem? And for us, we, we approached it from a bunch of different angles and, you know, we were, we were young, we were in our early twenties and kind of learned a lot from those different angles we went. Um, we, we had some full-time employees, some part-time employees in an office where we were living in Orlando, Florida. Um, and then we got exposed to this whole world of outsourcing from uh, another entrepreneur that we had met in Orlando who was using it to do a lot with his business and he was all about it. Um, and at that time it was called Odesk and it's, it's Upwork today. I used um, to, but, I but used yeah, that's, as a, <laughs> as a freelancer, I guess, back when I was okay. at desk and I built nice. like a big profile on it and then <laughs> up work and I lost my profile. I'm really oh, salty man. about it as you can tell, but anyway, sure. yeah, they've, they've, they've put a lot of salt in everyone's mouth. Um, and so, so yeah, so we used Odesk and Elance, um, when yep. they were around and we started hiring people. Um, I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. So we, we were hiring people, we were firing people. People were disappearing. Um, it probably took us a year to actually figure out what was going on and how to actually work with people halfway across the world. And 
a way that made sense for the business and for our time as well. Um, can, and, we, yeah. can I pause the story for just a second? Shoot, go ahead. Because I, I just want to ask a couple of questions, if that's okay. Uh, two things I want to ask about is, first one, how did you guys, when you got to the point, you mentioned, you know, you think it's a lesson for everyone. I think you're totally right. That mm-hmm. moment of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at my limit. I can't, I, I physically cannot do more. How did you guys, like, what was the process of learning to let go mm. of certain things and to build trust in other people to say, you know what, I'm going to hand this off to you. And obviously it's not like, you know, the business isn't going to die if you drop it, but it's yeah. still obviously important. Like how did, was there any process of that, of, of mm. figuring out what does it feel like to let some things go or to not be the main person or? Yeah, yeah, good question. Like? Um, so a big thing we did back in the day when we first started doing this and we continue to do it today is we went through a, a strengths and weaknesses activity between uh, us and some other people that had helped us start the business. Um, and we kind of looked at where we each added the most value to the business and decided that's where our time should be focused and anything else on our plates, we should be trying to pass it off to someone else um, or delegate it to one of those other people that were in that group that was having that meeting. Um, And so through doing that, we we came up with a a large list of things that we could take off our plate and we just weren't that great at doing. Um, And then it was, it was a slow process for us. We definitely were much more hands-on then than we are today in terms of delegating tasks. Um, you know, we, we would hire someone, we would bring them through a, a pretty extensive training, um, and then we would kind of manage them pretty closely, making sure that everything was being done um, because of that struggle to actually let something go, right? You always think, hey, I built this process, I built this business, I can do it the best, I can do it faster probably than anyone else, why would I go ahead and pass it off to someone else? Um, but so, so we slowly did it, but over time, what we eventually saw was, oh my God, that this person now is super efficient. They're actually doing the job better than we were when we didn't have any time. We now trust them and we can focus on other things to grow the business. So that like realization point for us kind of, you know, kicked in this, this change of mindset around who we hire, how we handle it and how we delegate yeah. things as well. Well, and I think it takes a lot to recognize how much your own preference is is at play when you want someone to do it a certain way right you know it's like someone has figured out a process that actually works really well for them but i know for myself sometimes and i see a lot of business owners who do this it's it has nothing to do with the outcome they just like it being done a certain way and so like being stuck to that process actually becomes very micromanaging and very frustrating Mm -hmm. for the person who's been hired on to you know hey i thought you wanted me to do this you know and so to Learning to let go, I think, is important for anyone who actually wants to scale their business. Yeah, and that's so that's something we learned too. Kind of what you said there is like the ability to give someone the creative freedom to do things their own way, and also to trust them on, hey, here's a new project. You know, spend the week figuring out how to tackle it. Of course, tap into me for questions or feedback or brainstorms that you need, but. When, you, when you're able to trust someone and, and really give them the, the creative freedom to, to go and do things, we, we think, and, and you know, I think that you see much better results than if you're micromanaging and trying to put them just down one exact path. Totally. 
So you, you kind of discovered this world and it, it's, man, you're giving me such like a nostalgia hit here. Cause I remember I had two accounts. I had, I was on Odesk, I was on yeah. Elance. Nice. Uh, and my brother in the same way that you kind of, you guys had this revelation of like, Oh, there's this whole world out here. Mm-hmm. I was on the other side as a freelancer and I was right. actually in college and my brother said, Hey, you need to check out these two websites because nice. people are hiring freelancers. I didn't know what a freelancer was, right? Exactly. but I remember I got this gig for five grand from a guy. I'd never been paid. Like, nice. I didn't yeah. make anything <laughs> like that in my life. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, this is something. This is legit. There's yeah. something here, right? <laughs> sure. There's something meaningful here. So you discover this world, then mm-hmm. what happens? Yeah. So we discover the world. We, we use it to, to scale the Amazon business. Like I said, we go through a lot of ups and downs with it um, and, and kind of figuring out our own interview, vetting, onboarding process. Um, and then about three, four years later, we're, we're just so frustrated um, with it became Upwork, right? Those two companies joined together, became Upwork. And we were just so frustrated with the time it took us to find people, um, kind of their their process of not vetting anyone and then just very poor customer service from those platforms. Um, and so we were like, Hey, let's, you know, let's try to create a better way. And that's when we started our, our business that we run today, which is called free up. And, um, and yeah, that that's what I run today. And the, the main thing that makes us different than Upwork or Fiverr or some of these other big freelance platforms you see going public today is that we actually vet, anyone that wants to join our platform we put them through an application and interview process a testing process and then we only allow the top one percent into the network um, and we provide really great hands-on customer support so that business owners and freelancers feel like they have someone to go to as they're kind of going through this whole experience and process well your your partner nathan we were talking on the phone about this and i loved that that edge that you guys provide in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just sucking up to free up. I just mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting, cause you're, you're totally right. I've used Upwork. Uh, I've used Upwork as myself, as a coach, but also in hiring people. Sure. And every problem you just named off is absolutely <laughs> spot on. Right. You know? And so, so is it fair to say that free up, you guys are, are, are a competitor to Upwork, Fiverr, the ones you mentioned? For sure. Yeah, we, we, we get a lot of clients who come from those platforms or that are using us and those platforms. Um, I mean, we, can, we could get more into this as we continue talking, but the, the whole freelance marketplace has just grown so much in the past 10 years um, from the time when, you know, you and I were using Odesk and Elance. It's just, it's crazy how much it's grown and become more of mainstream media. So um, that, but yeah, we, we definitely compete with those guys. Why do you feel like that's the case that it's becoming more there's, cause it does feel like there's more freelancers than ever or people right. who are taking, um, I don't want to say odd jobs, but maybe out right. of, out of, um, main career jobs in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, they have their maybe 40 hour week job and they're doing something on the side. Sure. You know, why does it feel like it's grown so much in the last decade? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, the technology's matured, right? So when we've, first started using those platforms, very simple, um, and just wasn't something many people knew about. Like you said, the word freelancer wasn't even really a thing. Um, We also have just new generations impacting jobs in the economy. You have millennials who want freedom. They don't want to go sit at a desk job. Um, If they could start their own business, they want to. So a lot of them are experimenting with freelancing. Um, And then you also have a lot of 
I don't know exactly what generation it is, but people in their like 40s who went through a nine to five corporate job, they have a lot of skill sets. They don't want to go into a job anymore. They want to spend more time with their family and they can offer these skills that they have through sites like this. So those are, you know, those are some of the factors that go into it. There's plenty of reports out there that are run every year on kind of the factors that go into it. But um, yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole world is just changing in terms of work. So I, I love following. It's a very interesting topic for me. Well, and it's interesting to the people who, you know, they're willing to, they're willing to innovate like their product, but they're not necessarily willing to innovate their team, so to speak. And so, mm. you know, you have the person who let's, let me, let's just talk totally stereotypes here. Sure. <laughs> you have the person who like commiserates and complains about millennials. Sure. And you know, well, you know, millennials, they just never like to work, <laughs> you know, and it's, sure. it's, it's because their data point is that one millennial who didn't want the eight to five job. Totally. And, and so it's these, these kind of conflated stereotypes now where people are unwilling. A, a good example of this is you mentioned like remote teams. And mm-hmm. so, and I think maybe even you said you guys are remote now. Is that right? Yeah, we're 100% remote. We have about, well, so yeah. you have GitHub, you have Zapier, you have all these massive companies that, that have literally built their brand on remote teams. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me because I've had people who've said, oh, remote doesn't work. You, know, you can't build a functioning team remotely. You need to have the face-to-face. And I think what's exciting in today's culture, in today's especially our, our entrepreneurship culture, mm-hmm. is going against the grain of that. And realizing actually you can build something sustainable and meaningful, even though you're not working in the same room. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a paradigm shift. And you're, you're seeing even like more traditional businesses that would be more of that stereotype, maybe three, five years ago, you're seeing them transition to being open to it now too. Um, it it kind of depends on what position they're hiring for. Of course, they still want some people in house, but um, you're, you're seeing a lot more of them open up to the idea of there being value to having a freelancer for a specific role instead of having them as a full-time employee. So it's interesting to see that transition happening as well. Well, and it feels like it, it's mutually beneficial in the sense of, uh, I, I really feel for the people who they're, they've been in a job for a decade and they've over 10 years, they've got a raise of like 6%. Right. <laughs> and it's like with inflation, you're basically losing money now. Totally. And it's, it's companies that they're so it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a really huge NBA fan. And so you see the same mm-hmm. thing with the NBA where it's all about loyalty to the team and then the team trades them. And mm-hmm. so in the same way you have these, these massive corporations who are really preaching, you know, loyalty to the business. And mm-hmm. if you spend enough time here, you know, you'll really be able to hang your hat on something. And then they do, again, they do 6% over 10 years and it's a total insult to the person. Right. So right. I think you have businesses that are realizing, Hey, actually, I can get a lot more out of this position by hiring someone out who isn't salaried. Yep. You know, what I'm going to pay for the result is going to be a lot cheaper than actually bringing on the, the overhead of having a salaried employee. But then on the flip side, I think the, the employee is realizing, wow, I can actually make pretty good money doing right. these kinds of jobs, even though I'm not necessarily salaried. Right. right. And so I think it's, I think it's, we're figuring out that it's, it actually works to both of our benefits to really nurture and embrace this freelancer culture. Yeah, it's an interesting transition. And, and uh, there's plenty of content out there that makes it seem very simple. But I, as like, I think you'll probably know, it sounds like you've had some experience. It's not, it's not just an overnight success either from either side. You have, it takes time. It takes 
you know, months to really figure out if you're a freelancer, what services you're offering, how you're using the platforms, how you're keeping those clients consistently. And then from the client side, how you're interviewing, how you're trying to find the right people, how you're communicating with them. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's big in mainstream news right now and everyone makes it seem easy and everyone should go do it, but it's also a big challenge as well. And that's kind of something I like to emphasize for, for people um, to get a kind of a real view of things sometimes as well. But that's, I mean, but that's, that's business though, right? I mean, that's entrepreneurship totally. is that yep. we make it and I, you know, it's just so hilarious to me how, <laughs> how many times I talk to an 18 or a 19 year old who says, man, I just want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm <laughs> right. like, you don't even know you, you want to, I mean, you love this very sexy idea, right? You don't even know the work that's going to be required. <laughs> To do, and the failure that you're going to experience, um, you know, because you don't just, it doesn't just click, it doesn't just happen. Totally. And, um, you know, even though I'm sure I'm going to have listeners listen to your story and they're like, well, he did and it sounded really easy, you know, but, but, sure. you know, I think people just don't fully, I, I just really appreciate your comment that, you know, even with, even with a, a platform like FreeUp, it can take some time to really make that right fit happen yeah. and start to build the momentum of that relationship, I think. Yeah. Um, Moving on from that, I'm curious your vetting process. I mean, that it sounds like that's something you really are proud of. You're really, you love your process in getting, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't be fair to say like uh, employees, but, but bringing on really high quality freelancers. Yep. Can you share a little bit more about that? How did you develop that? What does that look like? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so it, it definitely came from those three to four years that we were using the platforms with our Amazon business. And what it's become and, and it's kind of, it started and we've been slowly iterating it over the past three years. But um, the, the way we do it is we, we have an initial application where the freelancer gives us key information about themselves um, and then also answers some kind of hypothetical questions around how they run their freelance business, how they communicate with clients um, and the services that they offer as well. Um, so it, it kind of gives us this overall picture of who this person is, how experienced they are, um, and also how they work with clients, um, because those are kind of the most important things to us when we're looking at how successful a freelancer may be on the platform. And then we kind of have a, a rubric that our internal team goes through and kind of looks at all of the answers to the questions and decides, okay, this, we're going to allow this person through to the interview stage. Then they go ahead and schedule a time with someone from our team for a a one-on-one Skype interview. And in that interview, we're, again, mainly looking at their skills uh, and experience. We're looking at their attitude, so how they run their business. Do they view it as a business, or are they just doing it part-time? Is this kind of something they're just throwing themselves into, or is it something they've been doing for years? Um, And then also, another big thing is communication. So, you know, if if we ask them how they communicate on a daily basis with clients, do they know or are they just making things up? Um, things along these lines, we, we really look at that. Um, and in that interview, we also ask them specific questions about the skill set they say they have. So if they say they're a Facebook ad expert, we have a list of questions going from easy to hard. Um, so we can see, do, does it actually stack up? Do they actually have those skills? Can they, um, you know, can they live up to what they're saying they, they can do? Um, and then finally, a, a certain percentage get through that interview process, and we have a final testing process um, that is, again, all about communication 
and then some best practices that we share with them that they have to kind of read through and understand before they can get into the platform. You've mentioned communication a few times. Why is it so important? Um, I think that's where most entrepreneurs who hire remotely or businesses run into the most problems. Um, And that kind of goes back, you know, 15, 20 years, even to when large corporations were outsourcing to like businesses in India or the Philippines, things along these lines, you can hire someone, but if you don't have the right communication methods set up as you would, if you were sitting next to someone in an office, you're going to run into issues where expectations aren't straight. Um, You know, you're not getting daily updates. So you make assumptions in your head that they're doing something wrong or they're not good enough for your team. Um, There's just so many things that can go wrong if you don't have the right communication channel set up. Yeah. I had a old boss who he would say when there's a void, people will fill it with whatever's natural to them. And so, (laughs) and he would say it meaning when there's an absence of communication, when we don't know what's happening, Mm -hmm people will naturally start to fill it with things like, well, maybe they aren't doing the job they should be doing, or maybe they just don't care, or maybe they just, (laughs) and the second thing that I I heard probably two or three years ago was when we talk about good leaders or good bosses and like Mm -hmm. what makes like the great leadership skills uh, for a person, it's actually very little to do with, you know, um, when you think of like a really impressive leadership (laughs) person, and actually, it has everything to do with that person's ability to clearly communicate, nice. communicate sure. with clarity and to actually help people understand those expectations. And, and the good news is any personality type can do that. It's not just, you know, a lot of people think that, well, extroverts are leaders and introverts are followers. And that's right. total baloney. It's not true. It's just, <laughs> it's all predicated on just like you pointed out, how well can you communicate with people? Uh, the second thing that I love that you said was I'm in a few random entrepreneurship groups. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me how many times I see people who they, and I've, I've clipped these pictures cause it's just great content for me, but they say, you know, Hey, I'm an, I'm an ads expert and I just got hired. Can someone help me get them their first customer? And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this person paid you money. And usually the rate I see is somewhere like between a thousand, two thousand dollars per month. Right. They've paid you money, and now you're here in this group asking, "Hey, how do I actually do this?" So, <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, there's so much noise out there these days with social media and the internet. It's crazy what people claim they can be. So yeah, we try to we try to break through that noise and find the actual real people that know what they're doing. <laughs> so, do you, have you ever had people who like right off the bat you just knew this person doesn't? They don't yeah, know for sure. We, I mean, we can always kind of tell. And um, even if someone makes it through our process, we, we have a backend process that monitors relationships between the freelancers and clients. So um, if there's any sign of someone not having the skills or not being able to communicate or not providing a good experience, we're pretty quick to just suspend them from the, the platform so that they can't take any more clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and then once you have someone validated, they, they, they're a good fit. Mm-hmm. Or they, they, they're credible, I guess. Uh, someone calls you or they get on your website, they're looking for a freelancer. And then do they, do they choose like a category of what they need or like a certain outcome? And then you guys try to sure. pair them. I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, sure. So the, um, the experience is pretty simple. It's, it's, and it's similar to some of the other sites as well. So they'll create an account for free. Um, and then they have to go ahead and submit a job post, right? So they'll give us the skill set they're looking for, some details about the project, um, an estimated budget for them that they're kind of thinking, um, any preferences on where the person's located, and then a number of other 
uh, details about you know the project or who they're looking for. And then the, the way we're a little bit different is that it, it actually comes into our team. We make it available to all the freelancers so they can see it on their accounts. Um, but then as, as freelancers show interest, we actually qualify them before we make any introductions. So we'll ask them some questions. We'll make sure they're, they can meet all of the requirements. If there's a, you know, hours that the client wants them to work on or, or meet um, or, or the budget, whatever it is, we kind of qualify them before we introduce them. And then we make the introduction and the client and freelancer can speak directly and have a conversation. And then if they want, they can go ahead and hire and get started working together. Well, and I'm assuming, and you know, I don't, <laughs> I've never used free up, so I'm just, maybe this is a wrong assumption, but <laughs> I'm assuming that, that the, the outcomes are much more positive for both the, the hiring person and also the freelancer themselves compared to an Upwork or a, I just, just cause it sounds like your process is so <laughs> well-defined and that you have such a critical eye makes it sound like you're in, in a harsh way, but you're so, you're so, um, careful on the process of making sure it's the right fit. And even to the point of qualifying them before you make that direct connection, that kind of stuff doesn't happen on Upwork. Right. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. kind of like my own ability to, can I really vet this person or can I not? And I feel like it leads to a lot of burned people who are frustrated with, again, freelancers or just frustrated with their business. Yeah, agreed. I mean, when we started the business, our, our goal really was to make a platform that catered both to the freelancer and the client and kind of made it easier for them to, you know, one hire and then second land new clients. So when we introduce people, we do it one person at a time usually so that the, the freelancer from their side, they know that, you know, they're not, they don't have to worry about 20 other people that are trying to talk to the client at the same time. And then the client knows, Hey, I, I, I have someone here that's qualified. I can have a good conversation with them. If it's not a fit, all I have to do is let free up know and they'll give me someone else to speak with as well. Um, so, so we really try to make that process a little bit simpler um, than what some of the other sites are where you're kind of sifting through a lot of people or as a freelancer, you're kind of worrying that you're one of 50 people that are applying to the job. And then, I mean, do you ever think about your Amazon business? Like does, I mean, cause I mean, obviously you guys pivoted pretty hard to a totally different, mm -hmm. totally different market. I mean, different industry. I mean, do you ever think back to um, what, I don't say what could have been. I mean, obviously you guys are doing well with free up, but um, I feel like there's entrepreneurs out there who'd be like, you built a, you know, <laughs> you built this business, an eight figure business, and then you, you've left it to go do something else. I mean, t talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. I mean, so we had been selling on Amazon for six years or so. Um, and, and we went through an interesting period of the Amazon marketplace while it was still kind of growing up and, treating sellers in different ways through the years. Um, and a, a big movement that also happened while we were selling on Amazon was when we started brands and manufacturers really did not know much about Amazon or the internet. Um, so they were, I mean, anyone was selling everything online and then four or five years later, brands kind of go through this uh, Renaissance period of a, of a sort where they understand what Amazon is. They understand what, intellectual property rights online is and how pricing is handled online. Um, and they, they kind of started to change how they were working with people selling on Amazon. Um, so, so we went, regardless to say, we went through a lot of ups and downs with Amazon. We, we had a great experience. We built a great business, like you said. Um, but at the end of those five, six years, 
we're also really pretty excited to start something new and also build a business where it wasn't dependent on a large company like Amazon. Uh, and we were going to be able to build something that, hey, we could brand it ourselves, um, but we could really build it however we wanted. And there really wasn't anyone looking over us and kind of giving us policies of how to do things. So it, it was almost kind of a, a breath of fresh air for us. And we, we both, Nate and I, we really love FreeUp because we interact with entrepreneurs on a regular basis. It's, it's fun to talk to them and understand what's going on with them and, and how we can kind of help them along the lines. When you're selling products on Amazon, you're selling products. Um, it, it's not as fulfilling, I would say, as helping someone grow their business by introducing them to good talent around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that expression, good talent, because something that I run into with a lot of business owners is retraining their thinking where they think that virtual assistants, freelancers, anyone who's hourly, that this, this can all be lumped into a bucket of low quality. Mm. And it's like, oh, and it's this, it's this misconception that these people, because they're not salaried somewhere, that they must not be worthy of that. They must not be actually the cream of the crop. Um, I'm sure you would disagree on that. What, what's, what's your perspective? What would you say to someone who thinks that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would say to them, but I definitely disagree, <laughs> right? I've, we, we, run free up, for that person. <laughs> we run free up with 40 people, all remote, a lot of whom are located in the Philippines. Um, our leadership team is made up of people in the Philippines that I've been working with for five plus years. Um, I'd say it's a lot of less about the, like the quality. It's just how you tap into them, how you lead them, how you give them goals, how you motivate them, how you keep them on track with how you want to grow your business. Um, I think if someone, if you hire someone as an employee, it, it could be the same situation. It all depends on how you work with them, how you kind of get them set up within your business. You could hire someone as an employee and they could be awful. Um, and, and just kind of there going through the motions. Um, yeah, I think it depends a lot on how you approach it. <laughs> well, and I, I love how you made it. I, I love how you make it about the leader, meaning 99% right. of the time when someone comes to me, they say, Hey, I have a problem with this employee or this person I'm working with. The issue isn't really the employee. It's, right. it's usually them. It's, <laughs> it's the way they've communicated something. It's, you know, maybe they're too close to it. Maybe they're micromanaging, Maybe they just aren't being clear on what they want that person to do. And, and so when I think the best bosses can make that sort of flip switch of, of, oh, this is, it's on me to tap into that person. Right. Because it's funny how you can find people who they flourish in one company right. and they're, they're awful in another one. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can think of bosses who'd be like, oh, Blake was a terrible employee. And then would be like, oh, Blake was great. Right. And I think the difference is, is one, it was just my own maturity, but also I think I had people who were willing to tap into me. Yeah. It's also to that question, you know, what, what I say to them too. It's, it's also just a, a stigma that I would, like we were talking about before, we're slowly working through it as, you know, business owners and, and freelancers. Um, cause I would say this, the stigma before these marketplaces came about was, oh, I'm, I'm going to hire someone out offshore. That means I'm hiring someone, you know, in a, uh, in like a call center in India. Um, and that's the only thing they think of when they, when they still talk about outsourcing or freelancers. So sure. If that's your stigma and that's what you're thinking about, you're 
you may associate it with low quality, but the, the truth is that the, the world of work has just changed so much. There's extremely intelligent people all over the world that just happen to be looking for work online instead of a, you know, a nine to five employee situation. So it, it's something we're, we're working through, I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, and I love that. And I love the fact that y'all are kind of trying to flip the script on that stigma. And I, I mean, I'm even thinking of people who I know who are in just, just countries I've never been to, but they're, they're literally 100% online. And that's, that's how they've chosen to approach their, their professional career. Sure. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's cool. So, so have you guys, uh, you know, you're fully remote. You know, I'm trying to get a sense of like, I mean, do you, do you have meetings all the time? I mean, are you constantly, I mean, are you guys on Slack? I mean, what, talk a little bit about how you function as mm -hmm. a remote team. Yeah, sure. So, um, so we use Skype very often. Um, that's kind of where we do a lot of our communication. So our entire team is on Skype um, and you're, everyone's online anytime they're working for the business. Um, we have weekly all hands meetings every Monday. So all 40 plus people come in on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern and Nate and I kind of lead the meeting, but then everyone then also provides their direct reports and updates so that everyone's on the same page. Um, and that's kind of where we go over goals for the week and, and kind of put everyone on the right direction, um, just as a lot of people probably do in an office. Um, and then I, myself, and Nate are responsible for different teams within the business. Um, and then we under us, we also have a group of about four or five leaders uh, that, that manage our, our core teams as well. So all of those teams have their own separate Skype group chat where the entire team lives and can communicate. Um, I myself have weekly or bi-weekly uh, team meetings to keep people on the same page and, and working towards goals and give them kind of the vision for where we're headed on a quarterly basis. Um, and then we also do one-on-ones with every single person in the business on a quarterly basis um, just to get feedback, to do check-ins, to kind of share, share where we're going and keep them motivated. Um, so, I mean, a lot of best practices you would see done in an office, we just happen to do it all through Skype and email. <laughs> yeah, and I, so first of all, yes, you've hit on pretty much every best practice from, you know, the goal setting to clarity around, you know, here's what we're doing this week, all the way down to we're having the one-to-one the -one conversations with our team members. Mm -hmm. um, I love how, I think I love how simply you've just answered that question because again, I talked to a lot of owners who it's like, oh, we could never go remote. That'd be so complicated. That'd be so hard. And I just love how you just nonchalantly, you basically described any normal functioning business. And I love what you said. It's just, it just so happens that it happens over Skype. Right. You know, and I, it's great how you guys have harnessed technology to develop a business that, that doesn't require 40 people to all be physically in the same room. Totally. And, and when you say, you know, you hear people say, I don't know how we do it. At that point, it's really, it's just a mindset, right? So their mindset is I build a business and I find success by having people in the same place. Um, we kind of have a, a just a differing mindset where it's you can build a business, you can make it successful and people can be all over the world. So at, at that point, it's, it's really them just kind of going through a, a kind of a paradigm shift that what they're doing in the office, if they could figure out how to do it online with different communication channels, it's pretty much doing the same thing. They just have to be able to trust those people 
halfway across the world as well. Well, and, and how do you, I'm curious, how do you approach culture? Like, and for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what culture is, essentially culture is like the, uh, the attitudes and perceptions and beliefs of the people who work there. And it directly relates to their level of engagement. And so in like an in-office building, yep. you know, you built culture because you're, you're working in an office with someone. So, Hey, how's your mom doing? Or, Hey, what's going on? You know, what'd you do this weekend? And there's these really casual conversations that build trust, which then oh. allow the culture to be really positive as opposed to, you know, we've all had like the toxic boss or the toxic <laughs> company where it's like, I just don't want to go to work. How, what does that look like for a, a fully remote team? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so a big believer that culture is a huge part of running a successful business, and and it all really stems from the founders. Um, you know, they kind of set the mission, the vision when they first started the business. They went through the the sweat, the tears, the struggles in the first year or so, um, and and they're pretty much what they embody. The the values that they have is is what the culture will eventually become. Um, and so so Nate and I we believe in it a lot. So on a regular basis where we kind of share our personality, him and I are different. So everyone kind of understands that and kind of sees where we both come from. Um, but, but we always kind of come back to the same things, right? So our biggest thing about our culture is it's communication and it's customer service, right? So communication internal, if, if we all can't communicate, if someone on the team can't communicate, they're not, they're not right for the team. And then customer service, um, at, at all times, we're trying to provide the best possible experience for freelancers and clients on the platform. Um, and that's kind of like goal number one with our culture and, and how we kind of treat that. Um, and then, I mean, to be honest, got kind of going back to that comparison, right? So in an office, you're maybe you're on a team for a project of four people um, and, and you're having those casual conversations as you're doing work as well. Uh, we do the same thing, right? But we're in a Skype group chat. I have three people that I'm working with directly. We're brainstorming, working on a project, but we're also kind of joking and talking about what's happening today or, Hey, Oh my God, we're, I'm in the Philippines. I have a monsoon coming through today. So it's super <laughs> wet and rainy. Um, you know, it's kind of crappy. I'm, I'm on the other side of the world. It's really hot here today and I'm just sweating. So you, you still have those conversations as you're, you're going through the projects. It just, again, is, is all online and um, you're having your conversations there. I would imagine that people, so my wife and I, we've traveled a little bit. We've been to South Korea and we've been to Germany in the last couple of years. And um, people will be like, you know, tell me about Donald Trump. Like that's, that's in their mind. That's what's going on in America is let's talk right. about Donald Trump. But <laughs> no, I, you know, and I, I think it's, again, I, and if, if you're a listener and you're, you've been thinking about either starting a remote business or more importantly, you have employees who are remote and you're thinking about the question of how do I build that? that productive, empowering culture, Mm -hmm. maybe the next step is reducing the complexity of it and understanding that it's totally doable online. And it's, it's, it feels like sometimes we make things much more complicated Mm -hmm. than it really is. And so I I appreciate how, how, um, just nonchalantly you were like, yeah, we do it and it works. You know, it's like, we make it so complicated when it really doesn't have to be. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I also like how you mentioned that, and this is, I think, a gut check for some business owners, how you mentioned how it starts with the founders and Mm -hmm. ultimately what, I think you're so spot on, 
what the founders value is what the organization will become. And so for you guys, y'all, y'all hung that onto something really worthy, which is customer service. We want everyone to have a great experience here. And obviously you guys have your own personal values too. Totally. But I, I think there's some business owners and I call it a gut check because they will, you know, actually I worked with a company one time who they had these really awesome values on the wall. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's such a great list. <laughs> you know, which, which one of you came up with that? And they go, Oh, that list. Oh, we don't even look at that. Some marketing company came in and put that up because uh, you know, it was really admirable, I guess. Sure. But these companies that have really toxic cultures, a lot of times it's because the owner or the founder or whoever, what they value is toxic right. or their approach to business is toxic or, you know, the, the management position isn't about let me empower you and help you know which way to go. Mm-hmm. It's about, I feel, I feel this really strokes my ego to right. be the boss or yeah. to tell you what to do or, you know, now yeah. I'm kind of just rambling, but. No, uh, and I mean, it makes such a big difference in like how you hire too. Right. So like we, like a couple of our personal values is like entrepreneurial, extremely hard workers. Um, we, we don't, we, we value like experiences over money um, and uh, like family is really big to us, right? So when we're interviewing and hiring people, we look for those four things. And if, if people, like we just ask them straight up, do you consider yourself entrepreneurial? If people are like, no, absolutely not, then that's kind of a turnoff for us, right? We, it, it kind of depends, your culture reflects into the people you hire. And then of course, if, if they align with your values then it's easier to work with them, you can have better relationships. Um, so kind of leading with your values when you're even hiring can help a lot in terms of how you then run a remote culture or even something in house as well. I think it's such a genius answer. I, I you know, I, and I, here's what I love about what you just said is because I rail on people to hire with, with their values in mind. And sometimes I get pushback where people are like, that's not really a thing. And so <laughs> you and I, you know, for the listeners, we didn't prep this to go this way. But as I'm listening, I'm like, that's, that's probably why I was attracted to you guys as a company because I, I, I feel like I get naturally attracted to businesses who it feels like they're just approaching it the right way. And so to hear you guys that you hire through that values lens, I think that's, it's, it's not only a great practice and it's proven to work really well. Mm. Uh, it just makes me excited to have you on the podcast. Cause it's another person who I can say, <laughs> see, this is a company that they're doing well and that's how they hire. Cause there's some really strange ways people hire and there's weird things that totally weird hangups people have. And you know, it's just, and I actually had a podcast episode on this, my last episode, but I think if more people hired through the lens of what do we value as a company and what do we want the people who come in to value, mm-hmm. I think it can really transform the quality of the people. Cause a lot of times when, when it doesn't work out, when it's a bad fit, it's not because that person is actually a bad employee. It's just, mm-hmm. it's that, you know, friction of totally. you people who are entrepreneurial, you came in, you're not entrepreneurial. And so now there's frustration there. It's yeah. not good. Or, it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, we, we just view business very differently. Totally. It also sets you up to succeed in terms of your team, right? So if everyone has those same values, it's a lot easier for them to connect and work with each other. Um, if you're not focusing on that, you could be hiring people with all sorts of different values. And that's what could lead to a lot of internal um, issues with, with people that you hire as well. And then, you know, that's something that most people hate. So <laughs> that, that can help to avoid that. If you, you look for people with the same values, there's a good chance they're going to connect on a, a deeper level and be able to work with each other um, easier than if not. Yeah. And maybe a good last question would be, how did you and Nate, how did y'all, 
how did you get clarity around what you even valued? Like you mentioned entrepreneurship, hmm. mentioned family, you know, how did you, cause a lot of people they're, they're out there and they're thinking, I don't know what I value. And sure. I, or even for my business, I don't, I don't know what we value. I mean, how did you guys do that? Um, different activities. It's it, when we were running the Amazon business, it was something I was like addicted to. So I read a lot of books on it. I read articles. I was, I was always coming up with different things for how we could dive deeper into that. Um, and so we, we did a lot of activities, but it, it also just comes down to like a lot of nights you're out, you might be drinking together, you might be hanging out, having a good time. And you just slowly understand things about each other that you wouldn't at a surface level. And I mean, we've been working together for almost 10 years. So I, I know the kid like the, the back of my hand <laughs> and he, he knows the same about me. So it, it, that's the, really the reason why we were able to keep working together though, is in the first one, two, three years, we understood that we pretty much thought the same about a lot of things. We were raised similarly. We had a lot of those same deeper personal values. And that's really what's carried us to today. I would say that if we realized in those first three years, we just thought about money differently, thought about, you know, taking risks differently, thought about being passionate and how hard we wanted to work differently, it, it wouldn't have worked out and we probably wouldn't be working together today. So understanding those things can lead to a lot of other realizations as well. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Uh, anything else you want to share about free up or your journey before we finish today? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I'd love to offer everyone listening a, you know, a $25 coupon to try us out from the hiring side. Um, if they, if they want to use that, I'll, I'll shoot you over a, a link so that they can go through and, and get that. Um, and, and just remember that it's free up with three E's. So F R E E E U P.com. Um, and lastly, Myself and Nate still make our calendars available to anyone that want to speak with us. Um, so you can find that right on the, the website. And then we also have an amazing team of assistants that work directly with us uh, that can take phone calls as well. So there's always someone that you can speak with if you're ever trying to go through this experience or you just want advice on hiring as well. Mm -hmm. And then are you guys, are y'all active on, well, let's say someone who wants to follow you guys on social media, are y'all on LinkedIn? Are you on Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff? Yeah, sure. You can find us on any of them. Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, we have a cool YouTube channel where we publish two new podcasts and videos each week. So um, yeah, come and find us and, and follow us and enjoy the content. Okay. Well, Connor, it's been phenomenal having you on the episode. I really enjoyed peeling back the layer of really remote work and learning more about freeup.com. Mm -hmm. uh, for the listeners, obviously you guys know that I only have people on the show who I really trust and can absolutely hundred percent say I really trust Connor and FreeUp. And if you are looking for some outside work or some online or remote work, definitely check them out uh, for your business because uh, I definitely think that they can give you guys a hand. Hey, if you enjoyed the episode, I would love your feedback. Send me an email, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com or leave a comment on the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week.